Chapters 21 to 27 of Book 5 of History of Animals by Aristotle. Translated by Darcy Wentworth Thompson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 21. With regard to the generation of bees, different hypotheses are in vogue. Some affirm that bees neither copulate nor give birth to young, but that they fetch their young, and some say that they fetch their young from the flower of the calentrum. Others assert that they bring them from the flower of the reed, others from the flower of the olive. And in respect to the olive theory, it is stated as a proof that, when the olive harvest is most abundant, the swarms are most numerous. Others declare that they fetch the brood of the drones from such things as above mentioned, but that the working bees are engendered by the rulers of the hive. Now, of these rulers there are two kinds. The better kind is red in color, the inferior kind is black and variegated. The ruler is double the size of the working bee. These rulers have the abdomen, or part below the waist, half as large again, and they are called by some the mothers, from an idea that they bear or generate the bees. And, as a proof of this theory of their motherhood, they declare that the brood of the drones appears even when there is no ruler bee in the hive, but that the bees do not appear in his absence. Others again assert that these insects copulate, and that the drones are male and the bees female. The ordinary bee is generated in the cells of the comb, but the ruler bees in cells down below attached to the comb, suspended from it, apart from the rest, six or seven in number, and growing in a way quite different from the mode of growth of the ordinary brood. Bees are provided with a sting, but the drones are not so provided. The rulers are provided with stings, but they never use them and this latter circumstance it will account for the belief of some people that they have no stings at all. Chapter 22 Of bees there are various species. The best kind is a little round mottled insect. Another is long and resembles the anthrena. A third is black and flat-bellied, and is nicknamed the robber. A fourth kind is the drone, the largest of all, but stingless and inactive. And this proportionate size of the drone explains why some bee-masters place a network in front of the hives, for the network is put to keep the big drones out, while it lets the little bees go in. Of the king-bees there are, as has been stated, two kinds. In every hive there are more kings than one, and a hive goes to ruin if there be too few kings, not because of anarchy thereby ensuing, but, as we are told, because these creatures contribute in some way to the generation of the common bees. The hive will go also to ruin if there be too large a number of kings in it, for the members of the hives are thereby subdivided into too many separate factions. Whenever the springtime is later coming, and when there is drought and mildew, then the progeny of the hive is small in number. But, when the weather is dry, they attend to the honey, and in rainy weather their attention is concentrated on the brood, 
and this will account for the coincidence of rich olive harvests and abundant swarms. The bees first work at the honeycomb, and then put the pupae in it. By the mouth say those who hold the theory of their bringing them from elsewhere. After putting in the pupae, they put in the honey for subsistence, and this they do in the summer and autumn, and, by the way, the autumn honey is the better of the two. The honeycomb is made from flowers, and the materials for the wax they gather from the resinous gum of trees, while honey is distilled from dew, and is deposited chiefly at the risings of the constellations, or when a rainbow is in the sky. And, as a general rule, there is no honey before the rising of the Pleiades. The bee, then, makes the wax from flowers. The honey, however, it does not make, but merely gathers what is deposited out of the atmosphere. And, as a proof of this statement, we have the known fact that occasionally beekeepers find the hives filled with honey within the space of two or three days. Furthermore, in autumn flowers are found, but honey, if it be withdrawn, is not replaced. Now, after the withdrawal of the original honey, when no food or very little is in the hives, there would be a fresh stock of honey if the bees made it from flowers. Honey, if allowed to ripen and mature, gathers consistency, for at first it is like water and remains liquid for several days. If it be drawn off during these days, it has no consistency, but it attains consistency in about twenty days. The taste of thyme honey is discernible at once, from its peculiar sweetness and consistency. The bee gathers from every flower that is furnished with a calyx or cup, and from all other flowers that are sweet-tasted, without doing injury to any fruit, and the juices of the flowers it takes up with the organ that resembles a tongue, and carries off to the hive. Swarms are robbed of their honey on the appearance of the wild fig. They produce the best larvae at the time the honey is a-making. The bee carries wax and bee's bread round its legs, but vomits the honey into the cell. After depositing its young, it broods over it like a bird. The grub, when it is small, lies slantwise in the comb, but by and by rises up straight by an effort of its own, and takes food, and holds on so tightly to the honeycomb as actually to cling to it. The young of bees and of drones is white, and from the young come the grubs, and the grubs grow into bees and drones. The egg of the king-bee is reddish in color, and its substance is about as consistent as thick honey, and from the first it is about as big as the bee that is produced from it. From the young of the king-bee there is no intermediate stage, it is said, of the grub, but the bee comes at once. Whenever the bee lays an egg in the comb there is always a drop of honey set against it, the larva of the bee gets feet and wings as soon as the cell has been stopped up with wax, and when it arrives at its completed form it breaks its membrane and flies away. It ejects excrement in the grub state, but not afterwards, that is, not until it has got out of the encasing membrane, 
as we have already described. If you remove the heads from off the larvae before the coming of the wings, the bees will eat them up, and if you nip off the wings from a drone and let it go, the bees will spontaneously bite off the wings from off all the remaining drones. The bee lives for six years, as a rule, as an exception for seven years. If a swarm lasts for nine years or ten, great credit is considered due to its management. In Pontus are found bees exceedingly white in color, and these bees produce their honey twice a month. The bees in Themyscira, on the banks of the river Thermodon, build honeycombs in the ground and in hives, and these honeycombs are furnished with very little wax, but with honey of great consistency, and the honeycomb, by the way, is smooth and level. But this is not always the case with these bees, but only in the winter season, for in Pontus the ivy is abundant, and it flowers at this time of the year, and it is from the ivy flower that they derive their honey. A white and very consistent honey is brought down from the upper country to Amesis, which is deposited by bees on trees without the employment of honeycombs, and this kind of honey is produced in other districts in Pontus. There are bees also that construct triple honeycombs in the ground, and these honeycombs supply honey but never contain grubs. But the honeycombs in these places are not all of this sort, nor do all the bees construct them. Chapter 23. Anthrenae and wasps construct combs for their young. When they have no king, but are wandering about in search of one, the anthrenae constructs its comb on some high place, and the wasp inside a hole. When the anthrenae and the wasp have a king, they construct their combs underground. Their combs are in all cases hexagonal, like the comb of the bee. They are composed, however, not of wax, but of a bark-like filamented fiber, and the comb of the anthrenae is much neater than the comb of the wasp. Like the bee, they put their young just like a drop of liquid on to the side of the cell, and the egg clings to the wall of the cell. But the eggs are not deposited in the cells simultaneously. On the contrary, in some cells are creatures big enough to fly. In others are nymphae, and in others are mere grubs. As in the case of bees, excrement is observed only in the cells where the grubs are found. As long as the creatures are in the nymph condition, they are motionless, and the cell is cemented over. In the comb of the anthrenae, there is found in the cell of the young a drop of honey in front of it. The larvae of the anthrenae and the wasp make their appearance, not in the spring but in the autumn, and their growth is especially discernible in times of full moon. And, by the way, the eggs and the grubs never rest at the bottom of the cells, but always cling on to the side wall. Chapter 24 there is a kind of humble bee that builds a cone-shaped nest of clay against a stone, or in some similar situation, besmearing the clay with something like spittle. And this nest or hive is exceedingly thick and hard. In point of fact, one can hardly break it open with a spike. Here the insects lay their eggs, 
and white grubs are produced wrapped in a black membrane. Apart from the membrane there is found some wax in the honeycomb, and this wax is much sallower in hue than the wax in the honeycomb of the bee. Chapter 25 Ants copulate and engender grubs, and these grubs attach themselves to nothing in particular, but grow on and on from small and rounded shapes, until they become elongated and defined in shape, and they are engendered in springtime. Chapter 26 The land scorpion also lays a number of egg-shaped grubs, and broods over them. When the hatching is completed, the parent animal, as happens with the parent spider, is ejected and put to death by the young ones. For very often the young ones are about eleven in number. Chapter 27 Spiders in all cases copulate in the way above mentioned, and generate at first small grubs, and these grubs metamorphose in their entirety, and not partially into spiders. For, by the way, the grubs are round-shaped at the outset, and the spider, when it lays its eggs, broods over them, and in three days the eggs or grubs take definite shape. All spiders lay their eggs in a web, but some spiders lay in a small and fine web, and others in a thick one, and some, as a rule, lay in a round-shaped case or capsule, and some are only partially enveloped in the web. The young grubs are not all developed at one and the same time into young spiders, but the moment the development takes place, the young spider makes a leap and begins to spin his web. The juice of the grub, if you squeeze it, is the same as the juice found in the spider when young, that is to say, it is thick and white. The meadow spider lays its eggs into a web one half of which is attached to itself, and the other half is free, and on this the parent broods until the eggs are hatched. The phalangia lay their eggs in a sort of strong basket, which they have woven, and brood over it until the eggs are hatched. The smooth spider is much less prolific than the phalangium, or hairy spider. These phalangia, when they grow to full size, very often envelop the mother phalangium, and eject and kill her, and not seldom they kill the father phalangium as well, if they catch him. For, by the way, he has the habit of cooperating with the mother in the hatching. The brood of a single phalangium is sometimes three hundred in number. The spider attains its full growth in about four weeks. End of chapter 27